Welcome to episode 95 of the Clarity Compressed podcast. And I can't tell you that I almost saved this interview for episode 100 because it's so good. We're talking to a dude in a yellow tuxedo that runs a minor, a minor league baseball team and it, they're called the Bananas. Clarity can only really exist in the light of truth. Branding just isn't a tactic. It's a lifestyle change. Today's moment of clarity is that you never really appreciate what you have until you don't have it. Um, this last week I was traveling three days out of the week and every time I leave, the appreciation for what I have at home, the love of my wife and my kids, it just grows in my heart because when I'm gone, I know I have the love, but I don't have their presence. So a lot of times in life, we don't really appreciate the things that we have until we step away from them for a little bit. So moment of clarity, if you're feeling like you're not appreciating the things you have in your life, try removing some of them and see how it feels and see if you can get your appreciation to grow again. It's the moment of clarity for this week. I'm so excited for what he's gonna show me. Hurry up and show me Paul's pick. My pick for this week is actually handwritten thank you cards. This is actually from this week's guest because when we filmed it was about a week ago, and Jesse Cole sent me a handwritten thank you card for having him on the show, along with this really great baseball card. I can't wait to hear from this guy in just a second. But there's something about a handwritten thank you card that just makes you feel warm and fuzzy inside. It's Yeah, you can send an email or a text message or a video, but I guarantee you nothing connects more than the handwritten thank you card. It's old school. It's not used enough. And I think if you want to use it, you're actually going to make a bigger impact, so I can't help but make my pick for this week. Handwritten thank you card. This one from this week's guest, Jesse Cole. Just when I think we couldn't find something more interesting, I was introduced to Jesse Cole. Jesse is, at, at first glance, okay, a guy in a yellow tuxedo. It might seem a little sensational, a little weird. Let me tell you that he is one of the smartest business people that I've met because he understands that how you make people feel is much more important to your business than what you're selling. He has taken a baseball team that had in Savannah, the Savannah Bananas, that have had very, very low, low, low attendance four years ago, several tickets sold, and I mean several, like count them, share pizza with the audience level, to sold out games, game after game. They have scalpers outside of minor league bait. Like this doesn't happen. And why is it? Because he focused on what people really want. He realized he's an entertainment business. He realized that people want to unleash happiness, that they need a reason to laugh and enjoy themselves and have permission to enjoy themselves. And not just for the fans, but also for the players. We get into something that I think we maybe don't talk about enough on this. So it's really great to talk about brand, talk about customer experience and viewing your business, not as the product that you sell, but really the feeling that you generate and the solution and, and what you actually solve for the person. So pl please, please, please settle in. Make sure you have the time to listen. If you can't watch the whole thing, listen to the audio version because Jesse Cole just brings a lot of very, very unique insight that I think is valuable for every single listener of this podcast. I mean, every single one. Some are a little bit more segmented. Every single one. 
I wanted to save it to episode 100 because it's so good. Yet, alas, it's episode 95. Jesse Cole, owner of the Savannah Bananas. Jesse, thank you so much for giving some of your time to me and the Clarity Compressed audience today. It is an absolute honor to have you. I am excited to be with you, and I'll tell you, you have one of the best beards in the podcasting game as well, so I'm definitely pumped about that All as right. well. I'll take that. Way to, way to lead off. Well, thanks for coming, and we're going to go. So I don't even know how to begin to describe what you've done. I, I, I just tried a little bit in the intro, but if you could just, from your own perspective, from your own mouth, just tell us, like, what got you to this point? <laughs> Like, give, give, give me, like, kind of the early entrepreneurship journey, like, a few minutes of just, like, what got you here? <laughs> well, it's been a wild journey. I mean, you know, now that we're running a circus and, and a baseball game breaks out every night with the Savannah Bananas, uh, it didn't start like that. It started by um, me as an intern for a small team in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Um, you know, I played baseball my whole life, and I ended up tearing my shoulder. So that ended my career, and I got this email about an internship. I said, all right, maybe I'll try to sell baseball. And I realized then uh, selling baseball and playing baseball are dramatically different things. <laughs> playing baseball is a lot of fun. Selling the idea of sitting and watching a baseball game isn't as fun. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. So uh, fortunately, I had some success getting people excited, and I got offered the job as a general manager of a uh, team in Gastonia, North Carolina, and one of the lowest levels of baseball teams imaginable. I mean, really, really low. It's college summer baseball. And so, uh, and the team was struggling. So I took it over and uh, there was only 200 fans coming to the games. Uh, there was only $268 in the bank account my first day. And the team was losing over $100,000 a year. And Welcome. I realized we have a problem. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What, what a brutal first day. And like anything, I think, you know, uh, that that's such a great starting point. I look back, I'm so fortunate that I started there because we didn't have anything to lose and we had an opportunity to test things. And so I went to the owner and luckily had one of the most amazing owners back then. He said, Jesse, I'm open to anything. And I said, all right, well, let's be a circus. And he goes, what do you have in mind? I go, our players should do choreographed dances every game. We should have grandma beauty pageants. Uh, we should serve uh, donut burgers, donut dogs. I should get at the dunk tank. And we just started thinking of what would make the games fun. And so we started trying it. And a lot of things didn't work as well. Salute to underwear night was a failure. It was the most unfamily friendly night we could ever do <laughs> with people wearing the outside. We, we tried and we started testing. And so long story short, um, people started getting excited. We started realizing what business are we in, but what business are we really in? And we were not in the baseball business. We were 1000% in the entertainment business. And so our guiding light was how are we putting on a show? How are we making fans have, have fun? That, and so we- Go ahead. No, yeah. Keep going. Yes. No. We just took that team and, and ran with it and uh, started selling 1,000 tickets per game, 2,000 tickets, 3,000, started selling out games, ended up buying that team um, and had a lot of success. We recently sold that team because of what happened in Savannah. And that's really where everything just went wild. And so I'll, I'll let you okay. stop there. But the so, Savannah. So, Sav okay. So <laughs> I thought somehow that team you were talking about was going to morph into Savannah. Oh. But okay. So you actually did it one time and then. How did the transition come from that team to Savannah? Like, what happened there? Yeah, it was 10 years of experiments and learning and failure. So, so basically, uh, I met my wife in the industry. So uh, I was speaking about our grandma beauty pageants and all the wild things we were doing. And her boss said, uh, I met the I, uh, I heard him speak. And I met the guy you're going to marry, literally called. So she was like, started talking to me, joined our team. She uh, showed up, wore, wore a hot dog costume, became our director and of fun. And that was love at first and sight. <laughs> it was, it was, we hit it off. 
And so the last game of the Gastonia season, um, I proposed in front of a sold out crowd uh, in the yellow tux and uh, had the ring in a baseball, had fireworks, delayed the game for like 30 minutes. The fans were like, the umpire's like, when's this going to start again? <laughs> so then the next day she said, hey, wow, um, you did that for me. We've both never been to Savannah. I would love to take you to Savannah. So she surprised a trip to go to Savannah the next weekend. We went there, fell in love with the city. There was professional baseball there for 90 years. It was a beautiful night, 80 degrees. We walked up into this 1926 majestic stadium. I mean, the bricks, you know, amazing. And there was like 300 people there. And we're like, this is the New York Mets affiliate. It was, there was no yeah. one there. And so I called the commissioner of our league. I said, if this team ever leaves, I go, we're coming here. There's a huge opportunity. And lo and behold, the next few months, they wanted a brand new stadium. The city said no. So they left. And we came in as a college summer team, myself, my wife, our 24-year-old president, and three 22-year-olds. And that's what, and that was four years ago. And so you bought the team or you what you brought your you transferred yeah. your team. So long story short, I went from zero debt to one point eight million dollars debt between buying Gastonia, buying Savannah and putting money into the teams. Four years later, tell me what's going on right now with the bananas. Paint the picture. Paint the picture. Later. What is what is the Savannah Bananas organization and what is what does it look like on a kind of an annual cycle? So let's put it this way. We're no longer sleeping on an airbed. Um, we've been fortunate to sell out every single game. We have a wait list in the thousands. Um, there's scalpers outside Let games. me stop you right there. Uh, is there any other what, – what league exactly do you play in? The Coastal Plain okay. League. Okay. Is there any other team in the Coastal Plain League whatsoever that does anything like that? We're very fortunate. In my, in even minor league baseball, there isn't um, – this isn't yeah, happening. minor league so baseball, very, do teams sell out? Like – Yes. Oh, yeah. There's teams that sell out. There's teams. We've learned so much. And there's teams that sell out that do a great job. Um, however, um, every single game being sold out and not just like sold out where people can get standing room only tickets, people can't get in. Um, unfortunately, there's no more yeah. room. So um, if you if you try to show up at a game in the last three years, unfortunately, you can't even get on the wait list. And okay. so it's been wild. Um, and we've learned more than you could ever imagine. And, and but it goes a lot too. we had to create attention, but then we had to go all in on our fans first. And every decision we make right now is going towards are we providing the best fan experience in the world? And that's guiding everything. So it's a real, and so it's, it's a real, easy. it's a real retail mindset. Yeah, well, it, it has to be. I mean, it, but again, our whole concept is we want people to come to the ballpark and say, you won't believe what happened tonight. We're, we're trying to turn, turn our customers into fans and our fans into our biggest marketers because we marketed like everyone else when we started. Now we spend zero dollars on marketing. We haven't marketed in, I don't even remember the last time we actually spent marketing dollars. So you mean mark, but it's all when like you say marketing day, dollars. Like, let me just clarify because I think this is, a, this is going to be an important point. When you say marketing dollars, you mean like buying placement, like advertising, like billboards and television and Facebook ads and all that. Is that what you're talking about? Right. Yes, because in our, our mindset, it's, it's stop doing what your customers yep. hate. Stop doing yep. what they don't like. And I don't know if you woke up this morning and said, you know what? I hope I'm advertised to no. today. I hope someone do some marketing it's for an me interruption. today. Oh, you know what? Yeah, I want to be sold yeah. today. No one wakes up like no that. one ever. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we do things like, you know, we just announced the other day, like we're doing free shipping always and forever. It's not just for Black Friday. It's always and forever because no one likes hidden fees. No one likes extra fees. We will take that short-term loss to hopefully build long-term yep. fans. So I think this is a great, a great point. So like we talked a little bit, I do a lot of work in the automotive space. And also mm -hmm. there are a lot of spaces like automotive that um, furniture is one. A lot of older industries, they do a lot of 
advertise, spend a ton on advertising. They don't take any time yes. to really cultivate a brand based on what people actually want and connecting with people with where they actually are in their lives. And so I call it the brand tax. So the brand tax is advertising. When you spend money on advertising, it's a tax against a weak brand. So when you have a strong brand, right, you're not paying any brand tax. Why? Because the brand perpetuates. So with your point, you said, I came in and tried to first look at best practices and looked at what everybody else is doing and trying to just take the the line that everyone else in the industry has taken and saying like, well, why am I not standing out? You know, and I know the yellow, well, we, go ahead. We actually did a good job, but we said whatever everyone else is doing, do the exact opposite. Right. And in the beginning, you said so, we tried to look like everyone else and we sold like yes. a few tickets. Like that's where you started. <laughs> And, yes. and this is something that I face a lot in the auto industry. I actually was just speaking on an automotive panel at an event. And e look, I have an agency basically just so I can wear a hat and sneakers to work every day. That's, <laughs> let's be honest. It's the only reason. And and so, but at these events, it's an automotive event. Everyone's in a suit. Everyone's dressed really nice, right? Because we're business people. And, and I've kind of been, had my own lane that way. But even after years of that, it started to creep in like, oh, I'm going to be in this panel with these other agency owners, like maybe I should like dress up a little bit. And then I'm just, that hit me like, no, because then I'm just going to like one of the other guys on the stage, you know? So instead we kept the angle and I encourage our clients to do the same thing. You're a great example of it. So what would you say to let's go automotive, right? Since we were talking about the auto industry, here's an industry that markets to everyone histor historically the same way, Right. Family-owned business, we have the largest inventory, we have great people, um, we have the best prices, says every dealer everywhere all the time, right? So dealers that are now starting to understand your point and the retail experiential point, which is that actually people don't want any of that. People don't want any of that. We're starting to see, we're starting to see it change. And so like, that's kind of the first part of the point I want you to speak to, because you just, I think, gave the answer to that question with what you said. The thing that is very interesting, and I think the harder thing to do, because if you get somebody who's willing to buy the yellow tux and willing to think of this a different way, that's part A. I think the harder part is aligning an organization that is already the first thing, is the traditional thing. Like you have baseball players professional athletes that signed up because they love baseball and an organization that say, Hey, we want to run a baseball team. And now you're coming in and you're saying like, yeah, but we can't do that and have people show up. So instead we're going to have a circus. So how do you make people feel is really the success of your business? You know, we've been fortunate to have people that, that have that guiding light. And so I think it's going to be very, very clear that if we want to provide the best fan experience in the world, it comes down to how do we make people yep. feel. And we try to map the entire experience from this. So when you're talking about any company, you know, when people first buy from you, what happens? You know, we make sure we send them, if they buy online, we send a video that's the most over-the-top video. Congrats, you just made the best decision of your day. <laughs> and we have this whole, I mean, it's, it's a wild video. Banana Nana perfectly selects your tickets, places them on a silk pillow, raises them in the air. It's, it's yeah. ridiculous. And then everyone in our staff, our whole staff, will call people to thank them. And I'm just so fortunate to see a culture that's, hey, how, what can we do to thank our fans? And um, Barry Aldridge, our vice president, started saying, one fan, at a, one fan a day. One fan a day, what can we do? And if we're all reaching one fan a day, not to sell anything, not to ask for anything, just to thank them. 
whether a handwritten letter, whether, you know, we try to think of all these unbelievable marketing techniques, these marketing hacks. Thank your fans. Right. Thank your What's customers. What's the new tactic? Just say, What's the new tactic? Yeah, How about the thanking them? If you can just be disciplined and do that, game over. Yeah. Instead of sending, instead of sending a stupid, uh, just a, uh, not a stupid, just send, instead of sending a text message, do a video. Hey, man, I'm thinking about you. I hope you're loving your car right now. Simple things like that just show people that they care. I mean, it's, it's everything. And, you know, I, I yeah, 100%. And, and so those are the things, while it's big attention, that's what we are, it goes down to what's underneath, and that's the heart. And I think whether you're a car dealership or any business, you have to think about what are those things you're doing every day just to tell people that that's you care. Great. And yeah, so that, that's that's what we try to focus on. And we'll do events like we had Fansgiving recently, and we just it, we had a secret event just for our diehard members. We didn't mass market it. We didn't tell anybody, but we had we said, hey, we're going to put on an event for you. Food, drinks. We're going to have a first ever pilgrim game, which didn't make any sense. It was baseball, but way it never was. <laughs> and we had people lined up at the gates at four forty five. The gates open at five thirty. They were in they were in turkey costumes, pilgrim yep. costumes. There was even a Native American. <laughs> And they came, they came and had fun. The event cost us money. It wasn't to make money, but it was just a way to thank them and keep in touch. And I would say dealerships, instead of spending ten, fifteen, twenty-five thousand dollars on marketing campaigns, why don't you do an event for the people that are, that love you? You know, love your customers more than you love your product. It's like I got this new car and I got this new product and I got this. Love your customers. Take take, 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 take care take, of them. Take take ask 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 ask. Right. Yes. And, and I think that's a different thing. It's like, hey, we do this marketing campaign. We're going to sell 50 cars. Well, what if you do this campaign where you love the people and they go on and tell everyone you won't believe what my deal is? You know why they me. don't do it? Because they can't measure it in a 30 day P&L. And that's yes. the scary part. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we've recently embarked on this 12 month journey building, uh, really changing the brand of uh, a dealership in Syracuse. And it was their 40th anniversary. And every dealer wants to talk about, you know, and as any business should celebrate decades in business, it's a hard thing and it's to be celebrated. But I kind of start from the premise that nobody cares, right? If you can start mm -hmm. there, right? It's great. Nobody else cares. And so what we actually did was crafted an experience called 40 across 40, with the premise that any great business requires a great community to support it over a long term. Yeah. And so instead of saying, hey, look at us, we're 40, we said over the last 40 years we've been in business, there have been amazing unsung heroes in this community that have kept it going. And we had nominations and identified people from uh, a fitness trainer who helped a guy lose like 500 pounds to teachers to um, a lawyer for the foster care system. And we had an event that celebrated these 40 people that had probably never won anything and Love it. and that works. Why? Because now people are connected and people understand that it's actually selfless. But at the same time, yes. everyone realizes it takes both sides to work together. So I, I love I love that story that you just told because that's exactly what it is. I spent a little bit of time with the CEO of one of the largest groups in the in the country, you know, multi-billion dollar business, tons of stores, sell tens of thousands of cars every year, dominate their market. And he said this, and it's stuck right between the eyes, he says, people never remember the things you had to do. People will never remember that you worked really hard to get them financed. Why? Because it's your job to work really hard to get them financed. They won't remember that you found the car that they wanted. They won't remember that you greeted them at the door. What they will remember is the fact that you bought an $8 baseball hat for the kid who mentioned that he likes that team. You didn't have to do that. That's what people remember, the things that you didn't have to do. And it just ties right in with what you're saying. 
I love it. I love it so much. I mean, it's so powerful. I love your event. I mean, again, how can you make someone else the hero? Your customers, the people in the community, and it's not about you. And we're still learning that, but it's constantly, you have to look, think differently. It's not about ROI. It's not, it's long-term fans over short-term profits. Pause you right. So Jesse, I know a lot of people are going to dive deeper on the Savannah Bananas after this if they don't know who you are. What is the best way that people can connect with you and the team? Well, I post every day, LinkedIn, everywhere else. So you search Yellow Tux, you can find me. Just Yellow Tux, or you search Savannah Bananas, we're out there. And, and I'll tell you, one of the best lessons I ever learned was from Mark Cuban. I shot him an email uh, when I was 25 years old. And within an hour, he wrote back. And from that point on, if someone reaches out, they have a question and they can help, I will always reach out. He inspired me. So hopefully if anyone has any I questions, love I'd love Thank to dive in. Thank you again so much for being with the Clarity Community, uh, for being with the Clarity Compressed community today and being, frankly, so open-handed with your time. Thanks a lot, Paul. Jesse Cole, please. I know you're already going to do it. You probably already have done it. You got to look him up. You have to check out his book, Find Your Yellow Tux. I mean, the guy's been on every news station because he's making ways by understanding what people want and giving it to them as opposed to pandering to what the industry that he, he is in tells him he's supposed to do, right? It's it's very interesting when people take advice from people who are losing the game. Well, that doesn't seem to be working in my industry, but he's a thought leader and he's an industry expert in that thing that's not working. So I should listen to what he's telling me to do because he's the best of the things that aren't working. Like, why do we do that? It's so easy. It's just the momentum of it. It's the the fear of standing out or the fear of trying something different. As usual, thank you for spending some time here with us. A lot of stuff going on. I know you've probably heard about it if you follow along, but if you haven't, the new brand is Gravity Workshop. We just released. Again, it's something that we built out of how we how we lead clients through building a great brand and understanding the people that they're trying to communicate with, staying on brand, crafting great creative. We packaged all of that up into an online workshop that you can do at your own piece, uh, your own pace, at your own speed. You can do it even on your phone if you want. And it's the very thing that's going to give you the consistency and the ammunition to build a brand in a 2019-2020 world. If you go to brandisgravity.com, you can. we're gonna give you some of the modules for free if you just go to brandisgravity.com so you can get a little taste for what you're gonna get. I hope you sign up. I hope you find some value in it. And even if you don't, I can't thank you enough for spending some time with me here today. See you next week. Yeah. Yeah.